Okay, can you hear the bells jingling? How many how many episodes have we done that I haven't prepared for? Oh, all of them. Yeah. Don't record that. Don't share that. That's just you and me. Good stuff. And welcome to another potentially useful episode of the TCAP Sloop Podcast. My name is Larry Burden, and she just might be the D in D2L. It's Danielle Brostrom. Before we cut into the meat of the show, please find a bright space to ponder this week's moment of zen. We keep moving forward, opening new doors and doing new things because we're curious, and curiosity keeps leading us down new paths. Now that we've discussed what's going to happen in this pod, I'm going to clear the lane so Danielle can ferociously attack the bright space rim. There's a lot there, Larry. There's a lot. <laughs> Do we need to pause for a second? Yeah. Okay. I'm good. What do we got? So, so got? obviously the the district is um, really, really grasped onto an LMS uh, learning management system, bright space. It's been, you know, it's been a really quick ramp up to you know, some level of, I guess, immersion. It's basically basically been immersion into it. Where are we at in the process and what have we found out so far? Sure. Okay. So typically when you adopt something like this, it is a three-year process. So we understand that we did do this at crazy speed and kind of in the middle of a pandemic nonetheless. So this is where we're at right now. I think it's at a really good place. The whole intent was to make sure that families had a single platform to access high quality instruction, whether it's remote or in class, so that the resources were always there and available for students and families. And, and we've definitely done that. Um, teachers have their home pages set up, they've got their nav bar, so that way they can move from resource to resource within that home page. Um, they're sharing a week at a glance. So weekly, they're updating what they're going to be doing that week, along with links for families or for the students. And then they've got students in the platform at least twice a week doing something, whether it's doing an exit ticket, a quiz. Um, they're doing something. They're interacting with the platform, which is a great first step. So we've, we've got the district in there. We're making slow steps forward, but really powerful steps forward, I think. And, and I got to say, like, when Brightspace first came on, there was some hesitation. We we were using Google Classroom. We were using a million other random tools. And I think at the beginning as a whole, we might have failed to see the power there. And I think now we're starting to see it and we're starting to say, oh, there, there's a lot that I could do here. Like I think about the power in Brightspace specifically for elementary. So when we were using Google Classroom, it was super text-based. There, there's a lot there. It's pretty minimal at what you can do with the platform for littles. It's also very standardized. And I do think having a single platform is important for consistency with families, especially those with multiple kiddos. But when you think about all the platform-specific vocabulary, I mean, I said in our intro, I talked about the nav bar. I talked about the homepage with widgets, um, this week at a glance. like. All that platform-specific vocabulary and the navigation and the terminology, everything that happens within these systems, the more you can be consistent, the better. If you've got families that are on six different platforms with six different vocabulary, it's it's a lot. 
So I think having the single platform is good, but one of the things that I see about Brightspace that makes it really powerful is although we're K-12 and we're one school system, what a kindergartner needs is so very different from what a senior in high school needs. So to give teachers the single platform with that common terminology and navigation to help families, but yet Brightspace is offering them the ability to personalize. They can personalize that homepage. They can personalize the setup. They can personalize their usage of the system to fit their audience. So if you're a kindergarten teacher, you've probably removed most of the widgets. Widgets are just the boxes. Most of the widgets on your homepage. You're probably using videos. You're using images. You're turning on things like the visual table of contents so kids can just click the little picture of the book and get right to their work. Um, or you're using the classroom photo widget. So you're having photos from your classroom scrolling across the bottom. It's all very friendly to those kids, especially those who can't read. And then you think about a senior, like if you're a secondary instructor, you're probably gamifying your classroom and using awards and badges for learning skills. You're probably hooking in tools that you love, like Edpuzzle and Quizlet. We, we have added the Google Assignment um, connection so that you can still have all those things that you loved about Google Classroom, that assigning work to each student and getting it back in a way that makes sense. But all those things are there that make it really powerful for you as a secondary instructor as well. And I think we're gonna quickly here realize the power of semester courses because you've got all those people who built that course for first semester. Now on Monday, they changed over, new course, new kids. They've still got that old course that they can copy elements from into this new course. So I think the fact that it is one system, so it does have the things that are good for families, but we're also able to personalize it and specialize it for our elementary and our secondary. I think that's what I really love the most about Brightspace. I think it was nice to almost start with Google Classroom in the sense that its box was very small. You could only do so much in it. So it was kind of on, maybe on your end, almost easier to teach to because there was less to teach to and maybe a little less um, intimidating for a new adopter, but kind of a nice little training wheel program so when you get into something like Brightspace D2L, which, as you said, is way more powerful, you can do a ton more with it. But with that, maybe there's a level of complexity that goes along with that, which once you get, once you're comfortable with it, you can recognize and start to leverage all that power. One of the things that you mentioned was that differentiation. And we talk about differentiation a lot with in personalization with our students but you also have to recognize that that is also the case with our instructors. Not every teacher teaches exactly the same. They leverage their own strengths and skills to best educate students. It sounds like, whereas maybe Google Classroom didn't really allow for that level of personalization and differentiation between our instructors, Brightspace might. And what's what ways does Brightspace maybe leverage that? No, you're 100% correct. I think about, you know, when I love Google Classroom, I've been pushing it with teachers for a long time and I love it, but I would say there's a very specific set of questions people used to have. Like when they would contact me as a trainer and they wanted Google Classroom, 
you you show them the basics and then you can kind of almost guess and you're usually right. You you know what questions are coming next. You know what they're going to come to you in a week and ask you. You know what they're going to come to you in a month and ask you because there's a very set limit of things you can do with it. But then I got to say, Larry, with training teachers on Brightspace, man, I never know what they're going to come at me with. They're like, how do I do this? Or I saw somebody did this. And then I have to go in and investigate how they did that and then replicate it for them. And there's a lot, it's a lot more individual, but there's, a, there's so many cool things you can do with it. And, and things that, that are really, really smart. Like I think one of the next steps for all of us is going to be building up that content section. So there's a content section in Brightspace where you can house any, any, any of the stuff you want the kids to have access to. You can, you know, if, if you're teaching one of those um, on-demand specials courses, that's where you've got your course lined out. Like it's the bulk of your course. So that's where we're headed next with Brightspace. But looking at elementary, um, Tanya Hellman over at Cortade, this is brilliant. In her content section, she's got a unit just called Journeys, which is our reading program. And then underneath that unit, she linked in the big black book from Think Central. She linked in the reading packet pages. She linked in the leveled and vocabulary readers. So kids now have this online ready to go book that, that reads to them, that they understand the navigation. It's all that stuff from Think Central that she kind of pulled out what was important and linked it right in her Brightspace. So kids can access it right there in the platform that they know. And I think there's a lot of power in that and that differentiation that's available for for elementary too. And then um, I think about what you can do with embed codes. Like a lot of our teachers teach from slideshows in elementary. They have a slideshow that comes up and it leads kids through the morning song. And then the next slideshow leads them into their math work. And the next slideshow, like they, they have this entire day long slideshow that they teach from all day long, whether they're virtual or in person. So one of the things that you can do is you can set that slideshow to um, publish to the web and then grab that embed code. You can take that embed code and stick it right in Brightspace. So every single day, if you've got a kid that's home on quarantine or if you all of a sudden have to go virtual or you've got a family that wants to know what you're doing in the classroom, that embed code that you've put into Brightspace, it automatically shows that slideshow and it updates every single time you update your classroom slideshow. You don't even have to go into Brightspace and change it. So the efficiency of that, the, the power in that for families and for kids, it's pretty cool. You can do that with Screencastify. You can record yourself doing video instructions with Screencastify, grab that embed code, and then stick it into the directions for an assignment so kids can watch you explaining the assignment in a video rather than reading it via text. So th there is a lot of really, really cool things that you can do there with Brightspace. And I think we we need to get in and start testing those things. But teachers have been awesome because they've been sharing the cool stuff that they've been doing. And then, like I said, then they come to me and we have to figure out how they did it and then train others on how to do it. So it's it's been amazing to see what they've how, how they've modified bright space to make it work for them. It's easy to underestimate how useful and important it is to have all those tools in one location. So there's a Screencastify, there's a Think Central, there's a Google slide. Why couldn't they just share these links and just share the links and the kids could go to the links? Well, that's 
really easy to say, but suddenly you've got them going to one, two, three, four, five. It's very, it's really easy to be disorganized. It's really easy to get lost. It's really easy to get frustrated. And once uh, a student or parent is frustrated or a teacher, because they're actually, you know, managing a classroom as well, suddenly you can lose the momentum of the class by bopping around all over the place to try to find the tool that you're using as opposed to having the tool right there. So as a teacher, how important is that to keep that momentum? Oh, it's it's everything. You, you've got to keep the kids in one platform because the second you bop them to somewhere else and having them use another tool, you've lost them. They're, they're off doing something else. And then they realize they can work in six windows and they realize they could game in the seventh window and no one would ever know. Like you, you've got to really keep them with you and keep it as simple as possible. You know, if it takes two clicks to get there, you want it to take two. You don't want to have to have them go through 10 and then end up somewhere else. I'm hoping to get completely shut down here. So um, I see a lot of similarities with Moodle, to be honest. What makes this so much better than Moodle? And, and I will say this right off the bat. It took people a long time to figure out how to ramp up their class or, or their Moodle course. Hey, it took a long time to get buy-in, but it also took a long time for them to set up their course. And of course, once their course was set up, it worked you know, pretty well, but it took a, a while to get them there. It seems like, A, the ramp-up is a lot shorter. Now, there's more resources put into it from the district side than there was um, in Moodle. But what are some of the benefits? What are some of the differences that really make this outstanding? I hated Moodle. Is that enough of a benefit? Brightspace <laughs> <laughs> would... is outstanding because it's not Moodle? Does that? <laughs> well, why? I mean, obviously, the... <laughs> because <laughs> because Moodle's awful is that, is that basically it? duh <laughs> um, honestly Larry I didn't feel like I could make it what it needed to be like I tried really hard when I was in the classroom I tried really hard to make Moodle fit for me and I didn't feel like it would do what I needed it to do and I could change it to fit what elementary kids needed and I really think Brightspace offers that, you know, it can look very secondary or it can look very elementary. Moodle kind of just had one look. Now they have made a lot of changes to it. And honestly, I don't know a lot of the recent updates. So please Moodle, don't send me hate mail. <laughs> but but I do know that I, I, think, I think Brightspace is a really, really good product for what we need to use it for right now. So what are some more things that make it uh, a great tool? And I think, you know, going back to that, there's a lot of cool things you can do, but what makes it such a really uh, useful tool specifically for our elementary uh, teachers? I think it's clean. I think it's well-organized. I think there are a lot of possibilities for sharing. So if you create something within your Brightspace, you can share it with other teachers. You can, um, it's really, really easy to put other teachers into your course so that way they can see what you're doing and use those ideas in their own course. I honestly think there's a lot of power in what you get with your role. Like as a teacher in Brightspace, you can go into any student and it's called impersonate. You can impersonate that student and you can see 
their journey essentially through Brightspace. So you could see if I impersonate my daughter, I use her for a test a lot because she's a student in the district. I use her account. I impersonate her. I see her homepage. I see the classes she has. I click on the class. I see what she sees when she's in Brightspace. And I think as an educator, I can do that for anyone in the classroom. And that's really powerful. You know, if Johnny says to me that he's poor Johnny, he's always the one that that he's always the one that's stuck. So when Johnny says to me that he's stuck and he can't understand how to submit assignment two, instead of just talking him through what I know, I go in as Johnny and see the exact place that he is stuck. And then I can talk him through how to get past that. There's so much power in that. And I think for, for special education students, special ed teachers can do the same thing. They can go in and impersonate. It's like an undo button. <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. And I think as a coach who's helping teachers, when I have a meeting with a teacher and they want to talk about how to make their bright space better, again, I can go in ahead of time and see their bright space and talk about them from my end about what I see. We can do a lot of things at the district end that we couldn't do with Google Classroom. Like we can help with the rasters. We can help with setting up pages. We can help with merging courses, which was a big thing at the beginning. All of this district control and district help, we couldn't give as easily through Google Classroom, it just didn't offer it. So Brightspace does offer a lot of things at the district level that we can do to help teachers and kids. It sounds like it really fosters collaboration, which is not something that people typically think of when they think of digital. What are some of the things you're seeing? What are some of the innovations that you're seeing from our, our educators? Well, there are some, there are, there's a lot of collaboration pieces, Larry, that we actually haven't gotten into yet. There's a, a big way that teachers can collaborate um, through LORs, which is a learning online online learning repository, learning online. Obviously, we need to do more testing before we talk about this with with the district, but it is a place where teachers can collaborate and share some of the resources that they're making, which is pretty cool. Some of the innovations I am seeing teachers use that kids can answer, they can do a recording, they can do audio. So again, it gives them more options to have students share their work instead of just the quiz or making a slideshow or typing in a Google Doc. They can turn on their video and they can respond to the question with the video or they can share something that they've created and talk about it. And I think just offering kids different ways to answer. Some of the things that you can do with grouping kids and give them a little space to work and collaborate and um, chat on an assignment, that's powerful in there. Again, these are all things that we haven't trained teachers on, quote unquote, but a lot of teachers have gotten into and figured out how they work and are seeing the power there. The level of um, comfort that you seem to have compared to two, three months ago is I'm excited about because if our coaches are excited, that's going to then filter down into our teachers and our staff. And once our staff is excited about it, that filters down to our students and suddenly our students are really leveraging the power of, of the tool. And that's and, typical with any adoption though, Larry, you know, at first when somebody says you're using something new, you're like, wait a second, it doesn't look like what I know. And it's, it's very different and it doesn't do all the things that my old tool did. And then the more you get into it, I kind of love the way we rolled this out. We just did one tiny little baby step every week. 
This week, you have to do this one thing that'll take 10 minutes. This thing, you have to do this one thing that'll take 10 minutes. And I think having a rollout like that really got teachers comfortable with these tiny little things and getting in there that now we're in and we are able to see the power of it. And then everyone's like, oh, 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 that's kind of cool. And I think that will just continue to grow the more that we use the tool. You mean we rolled it out like a teacher would roll out a lesson? What? I mean, just a <laughs> Weird. That's so crazy. I do. You do. Now we do. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Is there anything else? Um, there is something I wanted to mention concerning Brightspace, and I don't think I've talked to you about this, but I think you'll be excited about it too. We've been talking or having discussions with uh, the curriculum leadership on the district level, and they've asked us to do some more promotion of Brightspace and D2L. And that should include getting some classroom educators on the pod on a regular basis. Expect some guests. Yay. I love teacher voices. Yes. We need them on the pod. Yep. So expect that. Expect that relatively soon. That's awesome. Can I steal snippets of it to put on our TCAPS EdTech help site? Because that's that's where they're going to get a lot of that information. I'd love to have. We need to put episodes of the pod on there. All right. Is there anything else before we we move on? Um, nothing else. I would just remind teachers. Well, one more thing. I would just remind teachers to go to that EdTech Help site. Everything we've created and everything teachers have shared for teachers just did a walkthrough of their right space to give other teachers ideas. Um, all of that's on there. So there's videos for students on what how, what they should see, how to navigate to Brightspace, how to navigate through the platform as a student. I just think there's a lot there. I'm it's, not just saying that we did it, but there's a lot there. It's a lot more populated than it was a few months ago. Thank you. That was, that was me. Thank you. Yeah. Well, you're very welcome. All right. Tech tool of the week. Tool of the week, Larry. You'll never guess what I'm going to talk about this week. <laughs> um, so McCall. Their tech and education learning area is doing a teaser book study with, drum roll, Liz Kolb's new book, Learning First, Technology Second, The Educator's Guide to Designing Authentic Lessons. So this is the partner book to her first one. Her first one was all about the Tripoli framework. This one is actually practical ideas on how to do that in the classroom. So what they've done is... Um, for this book study, which is happening this weekend, um, and it is free, and you can sign up online, um, which I just signed up yesterday, so I know that it's still wide open for anyone that wants to join, but they give you chapter five, which takes you through 12 different um, classroom lessons and scores them on the Tripoli and tells you why they would score high or why they would score low, gives you some options of things that they would do if they were the teacher to make the lessons score higher and have more impact. Man, it, first of all, it's well-written and it gives me a lot of really cool ideas of how to make sure technology is really making an impact. But we've been doing so much this year with focusing on the new LMS and focusing on virtual learning and the pandemic and what does that mean and access for kids and it is almost a breath of fresh air to sit down and talk about pedagogy again, to talk about what really works with technology and why and how to really leverage it to make a difference in the classroom. So this is very, very good timing. Um, 
I love that I, I, I was reading the chapter yesterday and it just was like, oh yeah, we know how to do this. We need to remember these things. So it's a good reminder, um, great timing and um, highly recommended to join the Tech and Education Learning Area Book Study. And we got a Liz Cole mention, which I've, I Liz feel Cole great, mentioned. great about. You know, something that I was struck by is when we were first talking about the Triple E framework, you had mentioned that it's it's a very research oriented book. Um, it's so great that there's now a practical companion to it, so that brings that research into practice. I think that's it is the the obvious second piece to that puzzle to really make it um, useful for our our educators. So highly recommend spending the time with that. And uh, we'll have a link in the show notes. In closing, follow us on, on Facebook and Twitter at TCAPSLOOP. At Rostrum DA. Subscribe to the podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Downcast, Overcast, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or wherever else you get your ear candy. Thanks for listening and inspiring. Larry, come on. I was getting there, but actually we're just going to leave that because you just said that so, so wonderfully. <laughs> I didn't say it with the Larry Flair. Thanks for listening and inspiring. Thanks for listening and inspiring. That. <laughs> you sound like Animaniacs. I could do it more Tom Waits. Thanks for listening and inspiring.